Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I'm your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up a Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. So we're getting ready to do here, Scott. How'd your day go? A lot of tennis, a little baseball action, a lot of a lot of day baseball, Mississippi. What'd you what'd you get down on, buddy? Uh, for the most part, uh, live betting Mississippi game, which worked out pretty well. Ended up live betting the Rays at plus three sixty in the eighth inning or so, which also worked out. Unfortunately, though, I had the Mets as my play of the day for the team total over, and they had twelve hits. Not only did they not get the four and a half runs for the over, they didn't get the three and a half runs for the over either i don't know how you only score three runs while recording 12 hits one for 10 in sc- run of scoring position tends to do that well that's how you just answered your own question buddy that's, i know so that if you want to know how to do it that's how you do it excellent well we had mighty max scherzer to take care of business against st louis that was not a lot of sweat there and we had the old miss rebs minus the points I actually capped it at 10 and was on the wrong side of the number. Scott actually went down to nine. That's kind of unusual, but yeah, we'll take that. All you can eat on that buffet kind of got hosed. My play of the day was uh, a game. It was the Mississippi game that I capped at 43 and a half team total over. And they missed that extra point on the first touchdown. And a little voice inside my head said, Hmm, I wonder if that's going to come back to haunt us. And there you go. As it lands 43 in real time, that number was 42 and a half. Even a terrible number was 43. So, But you know what? We go with the numbers that I cap it for, for, for better or worse, and that's the number. So, yeah, it took a little bit of a hose there, but won it in real life. So, you know, again, not really bitching. Well, that's kind of the thing where it's tricky because both of us love to live bet, which I know is a fact. And yet the YouTube play that I ended up taking didn't work out, but I had a good day personally. Right. Nobody cares. Yeah, I understand. So it's really just the middle ground. Well, it's the same way with our farm. We were we, we had the we had the cooch, and you know, he's a guy that's gonna jump up and bite you about one out of every four starts. Now today was the day. He was he was dreadful, was was the cooch there for Seattle. Not good at all. No. Uh, uh, Houston's offense is another one of those teams that seems to just kill you every now and then but usually scores around four yep yeah they they killed yep they absolutely did all right well let's get started scott let's find out who else did well who else did poorly we'll start it off as we always do with the people that took it in the shorts you know what you are you know what you got to do time to call the cops all right buddy let's get her rolling here first of all we're gonna take a look at that game that you mentioned earlier, this is the Boston-Tampa Bay game. Boston, big favorite here, minus 140. Scott, I kind of didn't understand that number to start with. With I know it was Chris Sale on the mound, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, and Boston been playing good ball. But, again, Tampa Bay, best team in the American League. Should count for something. Anywho, Boston doing their thing, justifying that price. Got out to a 7-1 lead after two innings with Sale on the mound. You're thinking, easy money, boys. We get Chris Sale to go about seven innings, give up a couple runs. All will be right with the world. Not the way it worked out, my friend. Fourth inning comes around. Bases loaded. Two outs. Nelson Cruz hits fly ball to center field. Just tailing away. He's fighting the sun is Verdugo. And the sun won this one, Scott. He got his glove out, but it was in the wrong place. Bounced off the glove. Made the relay throw. They airmailed the relay throw over the third baseman's head, and Nelson Cruz trots home with a little league grand slam, and it went downhill from there. Tampa Bay hung close. They couldn't quite get over the hump, and then that Boston bullpen does what they did best. They gave up a run in the eighth. They gave up a run in the ninth to tie, and Tampa Bay wins this one extras 11-10. to 10. If you had Boston minus 140, holy mackerel, time for you to call the cops. You also forgot to mention the inside the park game tying home run in the ninth inning, which I believe had not happened since 2006, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's right. Outstanding, yeah. So that, of course, was crazy in itself. Two Verdugo, round trippers that didn't leave the park. I know only one of them counted. Yeah, but. Verdugo had a bit of a tough time in center field yesterday. Oof. Anyway, looking at the Mets on the money line, uh, they ended up leading 3-2 to two against the Nationals. Edwin Diaz came in, and I swear Diaz... I don't know how many saves he's blown this season, but I've watched all of them because every time I watch him pitch, he blows the save. I turned it on, he blew the save, and the Nationals scored two in the ninth and one four to three. So if you get the Mets money line, that's a pretty tough beat. 
You can always tell when Scott's mad at me because I'm starting the show late because he leaves me with a tennis one. So if you had Verev, Verev, right? Zverev, but yeah, good enough. Sure. And Sinner. Yep. Over three and a half sets. Zverev won the first two sets. Sinner had five set points in the third set to take it to two to one. It's all you need. You just need him to win one set, Scott. I'm going to guess because it's in the call of the comp section. That's not what happened. Uh, Zverev won the third set in a tiebreaker. Absolutely brutal. Survived five set points just to break your heart. If you had the uh, Zverev center over three and a half sets, sit down and call the cops. I was going to look for another one in the Mississippi game. I chose not to do your play of the day, so I ended up giving you the common courtesy, and then you mentioned it anyway, which defeated the complete purpose of me not including <laughs> so you're, it. But anyway. He's trying to be a nice guy, and I turn it completely. No, no good deed goes unpunished, my friend. But if you want to talk about tennis, though, five set points, is that's pretty brutal. That is pretty brutal. Absolutely, absolutely right. You don't have to be a tennis geek to know, to know that's a, a pretty bad beat there. So, all right, well, let's talk about the good news. These are the people that were on the right side of the equation. They had a nice, easy winner. Uh, no Boston bullpen, no five sets, no five set point shenanigans. Just a nice, easy coast to the win because you were sitting in the rocket chair. So the first one was between Ole Miss and Louisville. If you had Ole Miss minus nine, minus ten, hell, minus twenty, it didn't really matter. Well, twenty mattered. Eighteen didn't really matter because they led by twenty-six at the half, won the game by nineteen. So if you had Ole Miss minus nine in game, probably around minus 14, who cares? Game was over long before the start of the second half. Loaded up. Malik Cunningham can't throw the ball. Newsflash, Scotty. They also couldn't protect him, but I couldn't tell if that was because he just abandoned the pocket about two seconds after the snap every play. Right. Or if no receivers ever got open. Yeah, it was uh, it was not good. And uh, if you had the Phillies on the money line, they were playing the Brewers. You had uh, Woodruff on the mound. You're thinking this is going to be a pretty tough game. Woodruff, uh, not uh, not ideal, Scott. Uh, Phillies led 4 nothing after four innings, and uh, then they brought Boxberger in. And Boxberger, I know this is going to stun you, he sucked as well, and they ended up winning uh, winning this one 12-zip, led 11 nothing after eight innings. It was all Phillies all the time. And uh, if you had the Phillies on the money line there, you had no reason to sweat at all. And the last one was the Giants on the money line or the minus one and a half against the Rockies. Gaussman versus Kyle Freeland, a bit of a pitching matchup. And you could tell early on that was what's going to happen because the Giants led eight to one after five innings, won the game 10 to five. Giants, pretty good at baseball. Not bad. Every time you, you think like, well, they're going to fade now. And that's that's not what happened. So, yeah, very good job by the Giants taking two out of three from the Dodgers over the weekend and they just keep on rolling 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 all right my friend well you know what let's find out who it is because we had a couple of contenders today but one uh, I believe this is a group of people and I believe Scott this is the first time we've named this particular group of people uh, to win this award so let's find out who it is let's find out who's strapping on the golden feedback today in the Tuesday edition of Donkey of the Day. You know, Scott, I've avoided it every time than saying the Donkey of the Day really made an ass of themselves, but I'm going to let it rip today. Okay, cool. By the way, happy Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah to you and yeah. all the rest well of... All the rest of the rest of the tribe. Are you doing anything exciting? Uh, I had an apple today. Is that a, Does that count? Is that a deal? A lot of honey. What? You're supposed to eat like honey on some fruits and stuff. Is that what you do? Yeah, that's kind of the special thing you do. Did you do that? Yeah, it's symbolic of a sweet new year, something like that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. You I'm going to guess that's not fun. accurate. No, it is. Like, it... That's actually why you do it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pulling your chain here. Like, that's actually why you do it. You put honey on it to symbolize, like, the sweetness of the upcoming year. That's okay. That's thing. Okay. And then, and then after that, you cash a, a live ticket on your no punt, on, on the punt, on the punt, on the drive uh, prop. I was, I was betting drive props in the old Miss game, and it worked out pretty well. Is God happy with you about that, Scott? Uh, my bank account is. You know, you got you to gotta pick your battles every now and then. 
Okay. All right. Good enough. If you don't want to tell them, I won't tell them. It's a... Hey, let's talk about that Louisville Miss game. I was not happy, Scott, and I know you and I have a bit of a disagreement here. I was not happy with the officiating in this game at all. A couple of reasons. The first reason, four targeting penalties in the first half. Absolutely ridiculous. I think one of them was earned. I thought I thought when they uh, when they called it, when um, Corral was sliding and they and they and they speared him as he's going down, I thought that was a legitimate call. I thought the you other. Thought there was a, you thought there was a chance that two guys would have been ejected for targeting on that one block? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I thought there was a chance they were gonna they were gonna ring them up, both of them up. But they did. I thought they got the right guy on that play though. They did. I, I well, if you're gonna you see, they shouldn't have called. It shouldn't have been either one of them. That's that's my point. But be that as it may, you can make the case they were calling the rules and whatever. But Scott and I don't know if you noticed this or not. If you were watching the game, there was some absolutely terrible spots of the ball um just a couple for first downs and just some of the worst i've ever seen uh they had a, they you mean the you mean the first quarter run by cunningham where they marked him about a yard past the first down marker and he was like two close. yards past the first down marker yeah he wasn't, wasn't even close he may or may not have got the first down but they they put him two and that was like the fourth one in about five minutes that was it, the first quarter that's what i'm saying it was just it was a brutal game by the officials and you know, it it seemed to be a little one-sided. It seemed to be a little pro-Louisville. Now, I, it didn't matter because not even the worst official in the world couldn't have given that game to miss to Ole Miss. But I just, I'm going to light them up, Scott. I'm giving them the golden feed bag for donkey of the day. I thought the officials did a rotten job. I did not hear. I didn't see the beginning of the game. Did you hear? Where are they from? What conference were they from? No idea. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't recognize them. Um, just. I'm going to guess the Big Twelve. See, I didn't recognize him as a Big 12 official. He certainly could have been. could have been new or somebody that I missed, but I, I think I recognize most of the Big 12 officials. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you a little bit about the targeting. Questions. I know you are. I didn't really have many issues with the call. I have issues with the ejections involved with the call, but that's the rule of the game, which I think they need to change. I just think 15 yards is a big enough penalty. Don't ruin the kid's entire afternoon and his impact on the team because of one play where – it's a little bit of a gray area. Plus, have you ever called targeting on the offense? See, we were talking about that because the rule is in place in both the NFL and college that neither side can lower their head and lead with the crown of their helmet. And, and even if you actually, I just interrupt, I know where you're going with this, but in the comment section down below, if you're watching this on YouTube, let me know if you've ever seen an offensive player get ejected for targeting. Right. Not I including an interception return. I mean, on an actual offensive play, have you ever seen a, an offensive player get ejected? I have not seen it. The ball carrier, the receiver, yeah, the re carrier. receiver, running back. Yeah, have you ever seen the ball carrier get ejected for lowering his head before contact? Yeah, great. I, I I told you I've seen it called one time. I saw it called in the NFL, and of course in the NFL it's just a 15 yard penalty. It's not an ejection, but it's my point is Scott that this rule set out to solve a problem. It's, it's set out to solve a problem mainly of defenseless receivers getting absolutely lit up on crossing patterns over the middle by the safeties. They have solved that problem. That doesn't happen anymore. It 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 does happen every once in a while and and then they call it. But for the most part, you would see one or two of those hits a game. You don't see it. You might see one over a weekend now. So they have solved the problem and now They've gone, as a lot of times rules do, they've gone too far the other direction. My my theory is there should be no targeting called within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. When you've got linebackers, when you've got safeties that are crashing in against a running back, both those teams are going to lower their heads. We talked about it before. You cannot, as a football player, you instinctually dip your head at the last minute. You are not going face first into contact. You just can't do it. This is ridiculous. It needs to stop. It also goes back to my point where I said, I don't remember them calling targeting on an offensive player. If the offensive guy is going to lower his helmet and the defensive player is not allowed to, right. How are you supposed to make a tackle? Correct. You're just going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to protect yourself. That's the instinct. You can't train that out of somebody. I'm sorry. You just, you can't do it. It's 10-ply. This whole generation's 10-ply, Scott. I, I think that the targeting penalties that were called were okay based on the rule. I have an issue with kind of the rule itself. But to agree with you on one point, 
the spotting of the ball during the entire game was an absolute disaster. Horrible. Horrible. How do you how do you miss it that badly consistently? And the Cunningham one would have been a fourth down play. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not disputing that he got the first down. It was it was really close. It looked like he got past there, but But the point I'm trying to say is that it if you mark him a little bit short, that's a big third and fifteen. You can't be afford to be off by a yard or two. Oh yeah, if they're off two yards the other way, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. So all right, quick reminder, everybody you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you all of our terrible opinions. No, we'll give you the winners. We'll give you all of our hot takes. You know, if you're watching on the YouTube, tell us what you think about the, the targeting. Are we are are we getting soft? Do we need to go back just a little bit? Can we dial it back? I don't need to see any kid put in the hospital. I get it. I'm not I'm not advocating we go back to the days of just unlimited shots, Jack Tatum style over the middle. But I think we've solved the problem. Let's kind of dial it back. That's all I'm saying. All right, so Scott, we had a new segment that we premiered yesterday and we said we probably weren't going to do it every day mainly going to be for um the weekend with the football games things like that but one stood out that we had to include it today it's time for our newest segment this is called i'm not mad i'm just disappointed scott Wow, we went along there. Scott, who is it? Who what what so, are you what disappointed about today? We're gonna be sticking with the Louisville Ole Miss game, and it's gonna be Louisville because you had an entire offseason to prepare for the first game against a team that gave up around 38 points per game last year. And Louisville came out in the first half and scored nada. They scored zero (laughs) points in 30 minutes against Ole Miss's defense. Now, you can make an argument the defense has improved. Maybe. I don't care. You wouldn't. They're not the 2000 Ravens. You had had several months to prepare for this matchup. They barely had 100 yards. I don't even know if they had 100 yards in the first half. It's a great question. Yeah, they were. They were dreadful. And you you know, what were you working on during the offseason leading up to this game? I have no idea. You know, and they figured out, you know, Cunningham was able to do a read option a couple times and keep it around the end for nice gainers. They figured that out. Ole Miss put a kid in there that would finally stay home, and then that was their offense. That was pretty much done until they until they softened up there late in the game and let them, let them you know, dink and dunk it down the field. I just... did, you, did you also enjoy how Cunningham had, like, two separate runs that were about 40 yards, and then it was called back for holding both times, and he's just chucking the ball at the official? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no penalty there. Yeah, uh, definitely not a great offensive game plan by Louisville. All right. Yeah, that's it's, and it was very disappointing. Like I said, we were on the right side of it, so it wasn't disappointing to us. But if you're a fan of if you're a fan of good quality football games, you were disappointed. Or and if you if, had the over 75. If you had the if you had the over, if you had Louisville, yeah, there's a lot of disappointed people. I I had I had no desire to play that over, Scott. I just didn't. This is I was worried exactly what would happen is what is what happened. I would worry that Louisville would be out of sync, trying to plug in a lot of new guys, and they just wouldn't be able to get anything going offensively. I didn't think they'd be that bad. I didn't think they put up zero in in either half, but I thought they might come in a little short. I, I you know I kind of thought it'd be somewhere in this low sixties. Yeah, that's fair. So anyway, um. Let's find out who was drunk yesterday. It was a, a couple of contenders for this one as well. I think you've got. I think you've identified a fine one, and we're going to go with it. Let's find out how drunk were those odds makers. You know, this is your team, buddy. This is the New York Yankees. They made that big push. They they won. What they won? Eleven in a row. Thirteen in a row. Thirteen. And now they have what? Lost nine of eleven cents. Uh, they've lost, I believe it's seven of nine. Seven of nine. Brutal stretch. The Yankees today, didn't matter. They're favorites, Scott, against the Blue Jays. Blue Jays playing good baseball right now. Yankees not playing good baseball. Oh, yeah, they wrote it down right there. All I had to do was listen. Uh, just read a little bit ahead. Yeah, Yankees had lost six of eight coming into that. Toronto, well, like I said, they're hot. They won seven of their last eight. Yankees, minus 135 favorite. I'm sorry, what now? Yeah, Yankees, minus 135 favorite. Scott, how'd that, how'd that end up? Yankees lost eight to nothing worth mentioning going into that game. Ryu had faced the Yankees three times this season and his ERA was around three. The Yankees can't touch him. It didn't make any sense. Toronto killed him. 
don't get it. Don't get it at all. That was just, I don't know. That was again. There was there was just some easy money out there today in baseball, and you're gonna and you're gonna see that. You gotta you gotta pick your spots, but there's some money to be made here closing out the baseball season. All right, Scott. So as you know, the U.S. Open's going on. Are you going? Have you gone yet? Going to I have see? not gone. Are you going to go? going this year? You're not going. I'm not going this year. What are you doing? Not going. Why not? Uh, busy practice. Busy prepping for the show. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's, it's really about you know the de- attention to detail for the craft, right? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it for a second. Yeah, These drive out. props aren't going to bet themselves. I mean, come on, I can't go to this thing. You're out, you're out there just gorging yourself on apples and honey. Mm-hmm. Now, is this actually is was New Year's Eve Monday night? It's actually a multi-day event. What? It's a multi-day holiday. It's a multi-day holiday. Yeah, it's a multi-day New Year. Isn't there an actual New Year's Day and New Year's Eve? Correct, except for Jewish calendar purposes, you have one, you have day one and day two. Uh-huh. We like to party. Okay? <laughs> we like to party. Are That's you like those like those like those thirty-five-year-old people to do? It's my birthday week. It's uh. <laughs> It's one thing about Jewish holidays, if you really want to be just, you know, discuss it. Go down the rabbi hole? No, I was going to the rabbi hole. I was going to say, (laughs) you can probably push together most holidays until like two days. Okay. Like one day. Yeah. We just extrapolated a little bit because why not? Okay. Well, sure. Why not? More days off from work. All right. Fine. Well, so is that then tonight, Tuesday night? Basically, it's... The New Year's already happened, but you're having a second day to it. Wow, you're—I'm sure your Hebrew school headmaster would be delighted by the brilliant recitation you've given of the Jewish New Year. I'm doing the best I can, man. <laughs> D's get degrees, buddy. It was the first night. You have two days, and then it ends on uh, later on this week. Okay, well, keep keep us posted, would you? Is there going to be we'll a night it. where you go out and get hammered? Uh, potentially, we'll see. Okay, is that a thing? Do the Jews get hammered on the whatever New Year's Eve they pick? I thought that was a human being thing. Getting hammered on New Year's? Well, I didn't know if it was any different. Uh, no, we celebrate. Okay, we'll break the Manischewitz and go to it. Something like that. All right, fair enough. So, Scott, are we talking about the... Uh, sorry, this whole thing was brought up by the U.S. Open, which is actually going to be relevant to what I talked about. Uh, Shelby Rogers had a big victory the other day against the number one seed. Who was that, Scott? Uh, Barty. There you go. Ashley Barty from Australia, right? Well, I'm, she was the number two seed. Yeah. The number well, one. Barty, Barty's the one who lost to Rodgers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's where I'm going. Okay, so big big victory. She's on top of the world. So then the next round, Scott, she loses to, uh, I'm going to take a shot at it here, Emma Raducuno. Yeah, sure. Is that it? Sure. You don't know? Uh, not really. You follow no, tennis. Oh, my God, I was looking at you. I followed tennis, but I didn't. I didn't really pay much attention to this match. Okay, so she so she loses to Raducanu in the corners in the, in the quarters, and in her interview, she said now she has to look forward to nine million death st- threats on social media, and a couple of the other players chimed in and said, "Yeah, that's absolutely a thing. It's it's disgusting." So, let me ask you, as a social media Scott, you're part of the social media generation. What are we doing here? What what the hell? Well, I don't know from personal experience involving death threats because I never lost a tennis match professionally, but I feel like that's an exaggeration. I know that's a hot take or not, but so only a couple hundred thousand death threats. I mean, I was gonna say I don't know who would be sending death threats to a tennis player after losing a match unless the gambling community is a pretty intense community. Maybe somebody who had money and lost it on Rogers, but I don't know who. I I totally disagree with that take. By the way, which one? I th- that it's a gambler. Because I'm g- trying to think of who would be sending her death threats. I don't know who would be doing that. Idiots, idiots, G- gamblers, Scott. If you're if you're betting on tennis, for starters, you're probably a pretty sharp gambler. Okay, you're not just. You're not the average schmo betting on the NFL games over the weekend in your saying, office if pool. If you're going to be sending somebody death threats, maybe I'm just assuming that individual has to have some type of skin in the game or some reason to criticize the player to such a degree 
which is why I'm assuming that some gamblers might have been involved in the amount of death threats. But no offense, I don't think many, even Americans, have any idea who she is. No, I agree. But, I mean, if you follow tennis, I mean, I think you've got some... I think if you asked a casual tennis fan who Shelby Rogers is, a decent amount of people would have no idea. Did you see what happened when uh, uh, Osaka, right? Osaka's also the number one player in the world. Did you? But did and... you see the social media backlash about her? Of course. So what does that have to do with her losing? What? What does that have to do with Shelby Rogers losing? It has to do with the vitriol in the animus that's out there on Twitter that these cowards hide behind under anonymous avatars and monikers and feel free to just spew whatever sort of filth that they want to with no repercussions whatsoever. I, I understand that point. I'm just saying people criticize Osaka because of how she handled the media and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with losing a tennis match. It's not, but it wasn't just criticizing, Scott. It went beyond no, I, that. I, I get it. I'm saying it was, a, it was very excessive, and I agree with you on that point. I'm just not equating Rogers losing a tennis match to Osaka and how she ended up using mental health. And a lot of people, I guess, don't fully understand the importance of mental health, which is why they ended up cursing around in the first place. Right. I just think that it's ironically people who are having their own struggles with mental health, obviously. Right. I think that it's a false equivalency because A, Osaka is a well known player worldwide. And I don't think most people know who Shelby Rogers is. B, is the fact that the Shelby Rogers thing had to do with losing a tennis match where there weren't any other factors. She just got destroyed from start to finish. And Osaka was how she handled the media. And then she ended up quitting in the middle of a tournament. So I think that there are different factors there. I think that everyone who want, told Osaka to kill herself is an idiot. And I think that they should be, I don't want to say brought to justice, but there should be some type of legal repercussions for that. I just don't agree with comparing what happened to Osaka to what happened to Rogers in the situation. I think it's a false equivalent. So you're saying one of them deserved it. No, what I'm saying is that I think that just because the thing happened to Osaka doesn't mean that Shelby Rogers is going to have to deal with all these death threats because she lost a tennis match. I don't see the connection between the two of them. Okay. All I, right. I just don't see it. I think Twitter at its worst I didn't say that there can are be good an awful, horrid place. That's fair. I'm just saying that the 9 million death threats thing, you lost a tennis match. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Are you saying she'll get none? I'm saying that I don't think she's going to get anywhere near the amount that Osaka got. And it's not even close. How, how many is like, okay? I, I, there, of course, none of them are okay, okay. But what I'm trying to say is that I believe, I don't know if you want to put a number to it. No, I want to. Yeah, I do want to put a number. That number is zero. If Rogers got anywhere near 5% of what Osaka got. Okay. Which is still, a, which of course is still not good. But the nine million parts, okay. Like, it, I don't think most people know who you are. You have staked out an odd position on the hill to die on, my friend. I, I have because I think that she's extreme. I think she's exaggerating, in my honest opinion. I understand that death threats, of course, are have no place in the sports industry, and how Twitter is a place where people can hide. And I agree with you on all those points. I just think it sounds very excessive. That's how I'm looking at it. Okay. So you'd have felt better if she just said like a couple hundred thousand. I think if she just said some, I think nine million makes it sound like everybody hates her. And I don't think anybody knows who she is. Okay. So if the quote would have been, I'm not looking forward to having to deal with the death threats on social media. Would, would that be a problem for you? I'm fine with that. I just feel like she's making it sound like everybody on social media is out to get her. And I just don't really buy that stance. Okay. You don't think 9 million sounds a little bit absurd? That sounds like nobody's going to come to her support on social media. Well, somebody, I mean, it's, it's an exact, you, you do that, Scott. We've, we've done it ourselves on the show. I, you know, the kicker, the kicker missed the field goal for the hundred thousandth time in a row. We've, we've all done it. We've all made exaggerated numbers to make a point. It's fair. I'm just saying, unless she has personal experience, which I'm assuming she does right. from getting these death threats, I just maybe I just can't fully grab, grasp why people would do that for losing a tennis match in the first place because it's a game. Like, oh. there are more important things to worry about. Oh, I totally get that. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't even consider 
It's got if I had a five-figure bet on a on a tennis player and they lost, I wouldn't I wouldn't even consider lighting them up on social media. I wouldn't. No, I mean, you know, you know, or you know, maybe way to chunk that serve, or you know, could you not hit one into the net? But you know, I can't, I can't believe you cost me this money. I'm going to kill you and your whole family. So I think that some of those people existed, which took me back to my main point. I don't know why anybody else would talk about threatening to kill her unless they had some type of personal interest in the game. And the most common personal interest is money. All right. Well, we'll be back for more of this fun right after this message. Stay tuned guys. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the second half of winners and Winers radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you our unhinged rants. <laughs> we'll give you the winners. No, it was fine. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over but these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. No, I'm not saying you're raining. I'm, I'm, I'm just that was very rant worthy to me. So I wasn't promoting the type of behavior. I'm just saying it sounds a bit excessive. Well, let's see if you'll. All right, let's see if you'll defend the next guy. So the Houston Texans made a big announcement today, Scott, or yesterday, rather. Tyrod Taylor going to be starting. Deshaun Watson, he's on the roster, but he's not going to play. He's not going to be active. Is this weird considering that he hasn't been disciplined by the league or the team? Is this the right thing to do with him? Well, this is what we said was going to happen months ago because it's a PR nightmare if he plays. Right. And hypothetically if you wanted to get away with it you probably could because you're not going to actually find out the legal repercussions of his actions until after the season so if you wanted to you hypothetically could play watson i'm not surprised it's a pr nightmare you knew that they weren't going to do they they weren't going to use watson at all which is why i'm not sure uh, he only showed up at practice so he wouldn't get fined right yeah right he had to be he had to be a practice so that's the only reason why he showed up. So I'm I'm not surprised by any of this. You? I guess not. What else, you, what else are you supposed to do? That's the thing. What, what you know? You say, well, I don't agree with it. Well, what the hell else do you do with him? You can't cut him. Houston tried trading him. They I don't tr- know what they were asking for, but they tried to. Well, what's he worth? What's, uh, according to the Texans, way too much. No, what's he? What's what's his what's his real value right now? A guy that right may now, never take knowing, another snap in the NFL. Not knowing the future. One first round pick. Oh, see, I think that's. I that think could that could be too high, but I think the upside with how talented he is, if you think there's any chance that he can play a down within the next two, three years, 
I think one team would take that gamble. I think one team would do it. In fairness, I don't think you're realizing the size of check Mr. Mellon wrote. <laughs> I'm aware that it's a lot of allegations, and I don't think he's going to fully get away with it unscathed. But if you believe in the innocent until proven guilty, you know, he should be playing. Of, quote, then it would make sense for a team to trade a first round pick for him if you think that there's a chance that he's innocent. Okay, so let me throw this out there. Yeah, and you know, see, that's what should be, if you're Deshaun Watson or a Deshaun Watson backer, that's what should worry you because you know, Every team that would consider trading for him did their due diligence on the on the allegations, the cases, and nobody made an offer. Nobody, no many. Also, don't know what enough. Houston was asking for, though. That's right. That's right. And and from all accounts, they've asked for a lot. So that's why I'm. The only thing I find interesting is not even about who offered. If you actually, I'm assuming the teams that even called Houston, like Miami and Philly did some form of research, don't you think? That's what I'm saying, yeah. It wasn't even about a trade happening. The fact that they even called in the first place kind of proves my point, doesn't it? Well, I, you know what? I don't know. I think... I, if I was a GM, I wouldn't go anywhere near him. But the point no. is, is that since people called up and asked, then clearly he has some value on the market, doesn't he? Let me ask you this. Does it matter that Houston isn't a contender? Let's say, for example... It was Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think there would be a bigger incentive to tr to hypothetically just bench him for the whole year if you're not competing for anything. That's what I'm saying. But it, so if, if you're the Chiefs and, and and Mahomes is in this position, no charges, no no discipline from the NFL. Do they play him? I've made the argument about other players being in the league who shouldn't be, and one of those people is. Probably Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, I could see them holding on to Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Tyreek Hill should be in the league. I, I think that what he did back in college should have made him undraftable, but people look past it. He's a great receiver, and they won a Super Bowl because of it. But and, and you might mention he's kept his nose completely clean since then. Yes, he has. And it's, and it's uh, come out since then that she's nuts. That is potentially true, but... It also depends if you believe that he punched a pregnant woman, but well, that's, a, that's a separate story. He has, he has custody of that child. The so. point, I'm not going to go into the details about Tyree Kill. The point I'm trying to say is that just because a lot of people are good at football, there are a lot of really bad people in the NFL. There are. There was the, uh, there was the lineman that, uh, that killed somebody in the, in the car wreck. Uh, yes. And he played again. You had that. Uh, you had a lot of different situations. So people can argue about the moral high ground and why teams shouldn't go for certain players the moral high ground rarely if ever exists in the nfl so i am not surprised that teams are still calling to ask about the sean watson okay fair enough are you no i'm i'm not mad i'm just disappointed greg hardy shouldn't have been playing again he went to jerry world yeah that was nuts that's I'm, there's been a lot of really really bad stuff mm -hmm. involving players and nobody seems to really care which is a problem, but that's just the reality of the situation. It's a really, really big check. Yeah. <laughs> so, Scott, the Randy Edsel area is completely done at UConn. He, uh, a day after he announced that he was going to just kind of play out the string and retire at the end of the season, he reached a mutual agreement with the university that perhaps that retirement should start, mm, I don't know, now. So he's out. Mm, my my theory on this is he was asked to leave. Yourself, what do you think? I think he sat down, said on Sunday, I'm done after the season. And then the UConn 80 realized, wait a second, you lost to Holy Cross? And then they immediately got rid of him. <laughs> I, I think that's true. I, I Because I think... If, if it would have been something different, he would have said, after I've reevaluated, I've decided to step down immediately. That wasn't the statement that was released. It, we, it was, we have reached a mutual decision. We have reached a decision that would be mutually beneficial to both parties. So, uh, what a mess. How far that program has fallen, Scott. You know, they were in the Big East. They were in the Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl, 2010. Just, just 
just just over ten short years ago, my friend. I don't remember if it was the Orange or the Fiesta, but they or were Fiesta Bowl. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They were. They, you're correct. They were in the Fiesta Bowl. My bad. Well, that's also a huge reason why Rutgers fell apart and why some of these other. Con- and of course, Rutgers is trying to rebuild now, and they're trying to do their own thing in the Big Ten. There were a lot of Big East teams there, even Syracuse. They're pretty good at football. Mm-hmm. And then once the conference completely dissolved for college football, and they all joined different conferences, they completely fell apart. Didn't work out too well for Rutgers in the Big Ten, did it? Uh, not quite. This is or their for Syracuse in the ACC. Oof, this is their year, though. Sure. This, this is Rutgers' year, buddy. All right. Well, Godspeed, Randy Etzel. We'll we'll pour one out for you. Is that because Scott? Could you and I have done that? When you look what? at when you look at his record at UConn, could we have done that if we were co-head coaches? I think worst case scenario we would have had a bunch of losses, but so did this guy. So I don't think we could have done much worse. What was the last game they won? It's a great question. Because Akron beat them. Didn't they play Akron? Or is that UMass? Uh, Akron beat Bowling Green. Okay. Okay. No, I knew that. I'm trying to remember who. One of those terrible teams from the East played one of the terrible MAC teams. I have no idea, but the point is UConn, that team's awful. They're awful every single year. If you want to say that you wanted to have a head coaching job somewhere and you get paid a bunch of money, no matter how badly you did, I think UConn's probably the place for you. You knew he had to be making bank. You can be awful. Well, he was also making bank because he was successful the first time around. So they definitely overpaid for him the second time around. Right. Even though he was a disaster in Maryland. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I'm just looking here. Okay, so UConn's last victory was in 2018. who they beat, Scott? They beat UMass. Okay. The only team, arguably, I don't oh, know. Wait a second. Wasn't that a very high-scoring game, like 56 to, like, 35 or something? It was 56 to 35. Are you looking it up? Actually, no, I swear. Okay, that's just... You're, I swear I'm not looking up anything. You're just, that just really seems familiar. You're just an idiot, Savant. My God. Oh, I'm sorry. That same season, Scott, they opened, this, they opened the year with a, a three-point victory over Wagner. You mentioned that, and I have no idea why I knew that, but... 5635 was just in my head about them beating UMass. That, you're, that you're just a you're just a freak. That's there's I something, that there's some something wrong with you. Jesus. I might have been watching that game in college. I just remember that for some reason. Maybe I had the over? I don't know. I, I might have had something on that game. <laughs> trying to think I'm you know there's something you got pushed out of your brain because you know that. There's some fact. Of course, that there's something that's important. <laughs> Social security number, something, it went right out the window, but instead I got the Yukon UMass score from twenty eighteen. <laughs> All right. Hey, what did we learn about that game last night, Scott? What did we learn about those teams? I learned that UMass, as good as we thought they were. UMass. Louisville, I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be good. I thought they might win six games. Yeah. They might, they might win four. Was, was, it, was their win total five and a half? Six and a half. Something like that. I don't think they're getting there. Yeah. I think that you can make an argument Ole Miss is just good, so you can throw it in the garbage. But if you have a quarterback who can't throw the ball, what are we doing here? They can't throw. I don't I don't know how else I'm supposed to examine this team. Wasn't ideal, was it? It was bad. It's, there's no other way to put it. Cunningham had a couple of really garbage time drives at the end to pad his passing yards, but he had, well, like 25 passing yards in the first half. Yeah, like, it was brutal. Come on. You, you got to throw the ball more than five yards. No, I think was he it? had I think he had less than 10, if I, if I remember right. I remember seeing the stat in the, early in the second half. Could be, but the point is, is that he averaged about five yards an attempt, so... He was basically Cam Newton out there. Can you throw the ball downfield a little bit? Try something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Soften up the defense. Do anything. My God. A play-action pass never killed anybody, by the way. (laughs) No kidding. All right. So, Ole Miss, pretender or contender, Scott? For what? The SEC? Yeah. Pretender. Okay. Not beating Bama. No? Okay. How about, what's 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 the line in that what's the line in that game going to be and, and what's the final score? Is it in is it in Tuscaloosa? It is not. It's in Oxford. Uh, Bama's at least favored by two touchdowns, bare minimum. I, I think there's a good chance it's over three. I'll go twenty three and a half. Okay, and is that in Bama cover? Yeah. Okay. I think Bama, I think Bama kills this team. Okay. All right. We'll see. We we were going into the game talking about how Louisville's defense had a bunch of inexperienced guys yeah. and how whatever. Yeah, I don't. That's that was going to be my point. I don't know that we've learned. I, I I think we've learned a little bit that the Ole Miss defense is going to be better. 
Now, Ole Miss, of course, kept Alabama on the ropes last year, and that game was very close. Put, and up, I four, get that. put up 48 points on them, by the way. They did. I, I acknowledge that. But this Bama team this year, I don't know how good Miami is. Yeah. They dominated. That Bama's defense last year, I didn't think was very good. Right. Their defense this year could be loaded. Yeah. I think it's I think it's better in the last season. And last season one of those it didn't they didn't really stand out as far as the eye test go, but when you look at the stats, they were they were a good defense. Yeah. But yeah, they have the, they have a chance to be truly, truly elite this season. So Ole Miss goes to Austin P, Tulane. So you're gonna be three and oh, they go to Bama or they, they entertain Bama. So the game, let's say they lose to Bama, of course, but the games I'm kind of interested in is three of them on the schedule, LSU, Texas A&M, and Liberty. I think that's going to make or break their season. Well, you're saying that they're a potential contender. If they're in the same section as Bama and they lose to Bama, then they no, might No, 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 I understand it. No, I just I just mean for a uh, – let's let's call it a New Year's Six game. How about that? I think that they're ceiling nine or ten wins. Okay. I think they'll finish with eight. All right, so they go in with three. They beat Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Okay, all right. I, I want to see. I want to see more. I want to see. I want to see more. You know, I'm always. I'm always a sucker for teams that have a killer one side of the ball or the other, and I like this Mississippi offense a lot. So I think they'll lose to Bam. I think they'll lose to A and M. They play Georgia. Uh, they have to. They're in the. Uh... No, no, they're in the other division. No, they don't play Georgia this year. Okay, so yeah, there are no other Bama's division. Yep, I think that at some point they're going to get upset because I still don't fully buy the defense. They they beat a team whose quarterback can't throw. I'll okay. pump the brakes on the improvement factor. Okay, but I think they'll win eight to nine games. All right, and I lied. They do they go to, they do go to Tuscaloosa. I read the schedule wrong. They do go to Tuscaloosa. So I, yeah, Bama's covering that twenty three and a half. Okay, good enough. All right, guys. Quick reminder that you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, we're uh, we got spoiled a little bit there, buddy. We had what did we have five straight days of football: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, five straight days of football, and now there is no more until Thursday. So now we have to go back to the diamond, my friend. Let's uh, take a look and see what we've got cooked up for tomorrow. We've got again Tuesday, always a fun slate because you've got every game on the board, and they're all night games. Low earliest game is the Mets and the Miami Marlins going at it there at 5.40 Central Time, 6.40 Eastern Time. And you know what? Speaking of that game, Scott, Mets and Carrasco opened up at minus 155. Mets money has come in. They're now down to, uh, they're now up to about minus 166 or so. Am I crazy here? Why are we, why are we betting on the Mets? Have you seen the Marlins lately? Yeah, I know they're they're not good, and, and Cabrera's uh, you know leaves a little bit to be desired. He's a youngster. He's he's got some stuff, but he's a youngster. I'm not really sure if he's going to put it all together this season or maybe a season or two down the road. Carrasco has been awful in the first inning of games, but he's been pretty good after the first inning. But of course, that doesn't affect the ERA. It all counts the same. But the Marlins, this team can't hit. We already know that the Mets did lose to the Nationals. They were playing better. I mean, yesterday they lost to the Nationals. They were playing better over the last week or two. I'm just going through the line here for Miami. And you can make an argument maybe if you want to take them on the money line. I'm just passing. This Miami team can't hit. Okay. All right. Well, you know, they're they're six and four with their last ten. Problem with the Marlins, though, man, if if they're not if they're not scoring seven or ten, they're not they're not scoring nothing. Uh, th- three is about what you're gonna get there. So yeah, um, Carrasco seems to be getting a little bit better, and I'm. Uh, I was just curious to get your take there. I wasn't. I wasn't really leaning one side or the other. I just the Mets have been playing such a dreadful baseball lately that I was just thinking about taking a, a little underdog shot there on the Miami Marlins. And I don't hate a shot there. I, I just think the Mets are going to win the game. Okay. Yeah, Espino versus Freed, Washington Nats against Atlanta. Atlanta minus 210, and it has been all Braves money coming in at this point. Now up to minus 225, 235, depending on where you go. Max Freed, pretty good pitcher, throwing the ball really well right now. Scott, any reason to take a sniff at Washington here? No, I like Braves run one. Freed's been great. Espino's been hit or miss, but usually miss, and we know the Nationals' bullpen stinks. Braves suddenly in a bit of a dogfight there in the NL East because the Phillies have been winning some games. The yep. Mets have been winning some games. 
Braves kind of need to dominate the series, and I think they're going to rise to the occasion. Okay, maybe a little Braves uh, team total uh, juice five and a half, something like that. Yeah, potentially. Now, here's an intriguing matchup. You talk about the Phillies, Scott, and they're squaring off in game two of the series against Milwaukee. Milwaukee pretty much has Central salted away, everything but mathematically uh, put away at this point. Aaron Nola goes for Philly against Eric Lauer for the Brew Crew. Uh, Brewers opened up minus 104. Scott, it is completely flipped, I'm guessing, based on the results of yesterday's game. And now you're going to pay minus 115 or so to back the Phillies. Do you agree with the line move here? I don't. I kind of do. I think that Nola is the better pitcher in this spot. Of course, people are going to overreact to the Phillies dominating yesterday because they won 12 nothing. But what do you think here? Because the Phillies have still been hitting the ball well lately, and Nola has been hit or miss, but we know his upside's a lot higher than Lauer. I don't mind Philly here, but I like Philly first five. Yeah, Nola's kind of been pitching in a bit of hard luck lately. He's given up just three earned runs over his last two starts, 11 and two-thirds innings. He's uh, gotten saddled with two losses in that. But before there, he'd won three straight. You know, I don't, I don't hate this, Scott. It's, I think the, I think the line is probably pretty sharp. If if the money keeps coming in on Philly, if I can get, if I can get the Brewers plus one twenty or better, that's a play for me. Anything, anything less than that, it's a pass. Okay, I think once again, though, if you're taking the Brewers, it's full game because Philly's bullpen's a disaster. Yes, but I'll go with Nola against Lauer straight up. Fair enough. I can certainly understand. The uh, the sentiment behind that. Uh, what do you got? In case we don't get to them all, I want to make sure that we hit some that you like. What do you What do you got picked out? I'm looking at the over eight between Gallon and Howard. Spencer Howard's been awful, and even when Texas acquired him, and he was viewed as a top pitching prospect, I don't want to compare him to Lazardo, but it's the same idea of how valuable potential actually is because he's allegedly talented, but every time I watch him pitch, he's terrible. And Howard's been awful for what? Two years? Two and a half years? Yeah, not good. Are we sure it's just not any good? I think it's I think it's certainly possible. At some point, you've got to uh, you've got to kind of gonna you gotta cut bait, right? There's nothing wrong with it, like you know, with saying that because you have so many draft picks who are first rounders and a lot of MLB draft picks don't pan out. I don't think Howard's good enough to be in the majors, and you have a total of eight. I like Gallon as a pitcher, but this year hasn't been very good. He's Why been is his total at eight. He's been very good lately, has he's it? been very good lately, which is true. But I'm saying as a whole, he has not been as consistent as he was in the well, past. I'll tell you why it's, I'll tell you well, for um for starters, and this is I was gonna ask you about this line move. It opened at eight and a half. It's now down to eight, Scott. The under money's coming saying, down in this game. Do you trust either bullpen in this spot? No, no, I don't. Are, are but, we sure Howard's gonna go five innings? No, I don't uh, I do like so I'm looking at the over. I do, I do like the possible. Well, I'm just not sure Texas is going to help out at all. That's fair. That's you can go the Arizona team total, and that's a fair point too. But a total of eight. I mean, I, I need better pitchers or more consistent pitchers to have a number like that. Yeah. I think oh. that's ridiculous. I think Arizona could score six and you're in good shape. Yeah, I think. That, I Yeah, that's probably true. I think that's uh, just, although counting on anything out of Texas offense, just. I'm just saying, unless Gallon goes seven then you have about three, four innings to work with against Arizona's bullpen. I think Texas can get a few runs there. Okay. All right. I, li- I like your optimism. And I, and I do like that pitch because that Howard has been dreadful. He's just, yeah, he's off. And he's been, he's been even worse his last three. You're talking about a nine plus ERA. So, well, how about my, how about my Kansas city Royals, Scott Jackson, Coar back to give it another shot going up against, I don't know, whatever, whatever unnamed uh, Wells, what, what, allegedly Wells, but uh, we'll see. Allegedly A Wells. Both of these pitchers, Scott's kind of an anomaly. They both have 9.00 ERAs as starters. Is this just an autoplay on the over here, bud? I thought the over should have been a play yesterday, and the game ended 3-2, so I'm not really sure what happened there. Cower, we've talked about before. He's very good in AAA. He was awful in his first stint in the majors. He could be a 4A guy. I'm not sure yet. Right. have to wait and see. Wells, I've seen pitch. His stuff isn't very dynamic. He pitches a little bit to contact. I think you could have a lot of runs here. If you want to go for a prop, I don't hate a Salvador Perez home run against a lefty in Camden. Oh. Ooh. I like, the, I like the way you're thinking there, buddy. 
you're probably you're probably going to pay minus on that. I would think minus what? minus one ten or so for Perez. Yeah, no, it's easily easily plus two thirty plus two fifty. No, no way. Home run by any given player, hundred percent. It's guaranteed to be in the two hundreds, like or three hundreds. No, that's. I'm telling you, if you think it's a minus, you are not familiar with the home run betting. Well, I'm just I'm just saying there's nobody there's nobody in Major League Baseball is hotter than Sal Perez right now. That's correct, and I'm telling you, you're gonna find that price somewhere in the two hundreds or three hundreds. Okay, probably two hundreds. Well, then that's a, that's a, that's got to be a play because if you're no getting into two hundreds, you're saying he's he's gonna hit a home run once out of every three games to break even. That's absolutely gonna happen for the rest of the season. I'm saying that if you can find it somewhere in the two twenty range, anywhere upward, I would take it. Yeah, I I, do, I agree. If you're getting if you're getting plus two on that. That's a fine, fine play. I'm just looking at the, trying to check the wind here and see what we've got going on in Baltimore. I know it's going to be. I know it's going to be a warm day. Uh, wind's not going to be a factor, but you do. Okay. But, but, you, but you do have a hot day. It's going to be blowing. You're going to be blowing out about five miles an hour. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to be mid 80s. Oh yeah, it's Perez is cranking one out of there. I would play. I would play Perez a plus 200 or better every game in this series. Hit a home run. Okay, that's fair. I like that very much. All right, my friend. Well, we've. Uh, just about reached that point. Got anything else? Anything else that catches your attention there? I am tempted by Toronto plus one and a half against the Yankees. I know that Cole's on the mound. He's been great. I know Matt's has been inconsistent. I can't wait to, I get Cole's on the mound and all the Yankees are falling apart. Toronto has been rolling. Are we sure that they can't keep this game close? Agreed. And you know, and Cole has been pitching very well. Like I said, he is also, I, I, I want to say he's top five in run support. He's got, he's been getting a ton of run yeah. support from the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't hate that, and this is a Toronto team that's what won seven of eight. I'm just saying I I can't lay that number with the Yankees. I can't do it. Fair enough. All right, good enough. All right, guys. Well, man, we've uh, we've ripped through it. We have uh, reached the end of the road here for this show. Just one thing left to do. Everybody, you know the drill. Get those overalls up. Strap them on. You can even leave one strap hanging. I don't care. It's Tuesday. Let yourself go. Climb up on board that tractor. Fire up the John Deere, kids, because it's time once again for Bet the Farm. So, for the farm play, we're going to be looking at baseball in a matchup between the Giants and the Rockies. And we like the Giants team total over 6.5 at minus 120 on Bet MGM. Chi-Chi Gonzalez on the mound for the Rockies. Last five outings. 16 and two-thirds innings pitched, 17 earned runs, and it's in Coors Field, which means you're going to have a lot of home runs, and the Giants specialize in home runs. The Giants are averaging 1.68 home runs per road game, which is the most in the entire league. So the Giants should go along a couple of times against Gonzalez. They went along a couple of times yesterday in route to 10 runs, and we know if Chi-Chi's going to go a short distance because of the fact that's what's happened since he came back from COVID. The Rockies' bullpen – one of the worst in the league with cores guaranteed nine at bats. And also for a trend, the over is six and zero in the last six meetings in Colorado. So if you're expecting a lot of runs based on how these teams have faced off against each other, we think the giants can score, should score at least seven in this spot. Yep. We t- totally agree on this one. Um, like you said, Chi Chi Gonzalez has really struggled. Uh, he, and he was, he was struggling before he got hit by COVID and he's really struggled afterwards. And like you said, it's really zapped his strength. And, and I was reading an article about him today. And he said, you know, the, the part that hurt him the most, he had a pretty rough go of it for about a week with COVID. But the part that hurt him the most was absolutely doing no physical activity for about three weeks. And that's really put him behind as far as his pitch count and his stamina and everything like that goes. So, yeah, then you get the, then you get the Colorado bullpen involved. And that's just, that's just chef kiss uh, the uh, cherry on top. So, we do like the San Francisco Giants team total over six and a half as our bet the farm play. And that will do it for this edition of Winners and Winers Radio. As always, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching on the YouTubes. However you consume us, we certainly appreciate it. Don't forget to download us on podcast format. If you're on the go and you need your quick fix of Winners and Winers Radio, we understand you should do that. You guys take care. Have a great day. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.
Thank you.